Hey, what's up? This is Pastor Bradley. We're super excited that you're joining with us today. If you're part of our Forward Church family, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media at My Forward Church, on all social media outlets, or at our website, myforwardchurch.org. I hope this word encourages you today and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. So glad you guys are here today. How many came expecting to receive a word from God for your life today? How many are in desperate need of something, not from a pastor, but something from, from heaven today? I believe uh, that I have a word. It's one word. It's not going to be the type of word you're thinking for those that have been in church for a long time. ago. I got to have a word of God. It's going to be one word. Uh, it's a word that hurts a lot of us. I'll get to that in just a minute. But I believe that, and I learned this a long time ago, that expectation is directly linked to my revelation. If you walked in here today to an old abandoned Walmart and you were expecting to get little, <laughs> you might not get anything. But I believe that if you, if you expect God to give you something, you're desperately, there was a, there was a lyric today, we sang that, that said, I'm holding on. I don't know if, you, if, you're, if you've ever been to that place in life, but I've been to a place where I'm holding on for dear life. You know what I'm saying? I should have had somebody hang a rope today. I had somebody last night tell me, uh, Pastor B, I need you to, um, to do some acrobats or something because the intention span it only goes so far. And we started laughing and joking about, some of y'all remember this probably like three years ago, I had ladders from different levels uh, across the, the platform and, and had wood uh, pla uh, uh, planks that were, that I walked across. How many were there that Sunday? Do y'all remember? What in the world was I thinking? We didn't even have insurance caught up at that time. I'm just, I'm just saying it. And, and, and we were talking about, you know, Kelly, uh, Kelly Shepard. He, he actually jerry-rigged one, um, one of the ladders. The leg was actually cut, and he put a little piece of wood on it and wrapped some twine around it and, and said, it's good, I fixed it up. And I'm like, dear Jesus. <laughs> but I believe that, that, that there are times in our life that we are holding on for dear life. You may be there today, but I believe, and if you didn't come expecting, reset your focus right now. Take this opportunity before we go any further in today's service to reset your focus and go, God, you know what I'm going through. I need to hear a word from you today because I just believe that when God's people come together and gather around to his word, that things in our lives begin to shift. Notice I use the word begin to shift. Because the tragic thing is people give Jesus one shot. And if things don't change, they walk away. But his, his schedule and his timing, he doesn't live by a time schedule. We do. We are pressed and pushed by time. And so we must understand that we can't put God on restraints. Because the moment that I say, God, if you don't do this now, God's not moved by our need. If that was the case, we wouldn't have a need, right? He's not moved by need. Look at third world countries. He's moved by your desperation and what you're willing to do to seek after him, amen? Hey, if you brought your Bibles this morning, let's go to 1 Samuel. I have taught out of this particular passage, this story, um, at a different angle of this story. I'm really gonna highlight the beginning part of, of a portion of this. But 1 Samuel chapter 16 beginning with verse 1, and I'm going to read it. Uh, if you brought your Bible, if not, it'll be on the screen uh, for you. But I encourage you to bring this. Bring your Bible. It can be glowing, but what are you going to do when the battery dies? Well, Pastor B, I got one of them cool little things. I can hook it up and... Phew. His word never changes. It's not modified. You don't have to worry about, is it going to run out? Because I've found times in my life that relationships have ran out. People have ran out. But Jesus... Never ran out. Never ran out. First Samuel chapter 16 says this. Now the Lord said to Samuel, let me set this up. There's a king who was at one point uh, uh, anointed and appointed by God to be the king. Um, and Samuel is the prophet. Now the king actually did not follow. Check this out. Now don't, don't, don't let me lose you. He did not follow in specific instructions on how God wanted to deal with, with another uh, a country, another set of people that were coming against the Israelites. God said, destroy all of it. 
man, woman, baby, goats, destroy it all. And what Saul did, he killed everything that was not, would not benefit him. So if it was good and he could use it, he kept it. He actually kept the king of the Malachites as well. And that's not what God told him to do. We must be, he's specific, we must be specific in, our, in, in how we act this thing out. In everyday life. I don't believe God's going to tell you to go kill a bunch of people, okay? Um, but I believe whatever he is asking you to do, you need to make sure that you're hearing specifically, correctly, and you act out exactly what he said. So, so King Saul did not. So then there's a passage of Scripture that says uh, that God said, I am, it's actually 1511. Uh, you're not going to see it on the screen, but it says, God is saying, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my commands. And then there's another passage of Scripture. I'm just setting this up because this kind of stuff blew my mind. It's better than soap opera. It's better than uh, This Is Us. Uh, what's the other hot one that's on TV right now? Y'all know y'all watch it. Don't act holy. What is it? There's nothing wrong with it. I, he's like, well, something wrong with This Is Us? No. But any of these shows, if you, you're like, I'm not answering nothing. That's between me and God. It is. You're absolutely right. I digress. That's all you. But there was a part in here that, that God actually sent a tormenting spirit to Saul. This blew my mind because I've always said God, God doesn't bring on this stuff. He brought on depression and tormenting spirit filled and filled him with depression and fear. I've always heard God, fear doesn't come from God. But the Bible just said that God sent a tormenting spirit to him. Okay, that's, that's not, I, I'm not trying to, to lay on that right there. I just wanted you to see, because that, that shook me up just a little bit. Because, I mean, it does. I, I'm still a little confused. But really, I'm not. Whatever God says, bless God, you do it. Just, just, just do it. Just do it. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough. Remember, Samuel is the prophet. You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem find a man named Jesse who lives there for I have selected one of his sons to be the replacement to be the king but Samuel asked how can I do that if Saul hears about it he will kill me this is what the Lord told me to do take a heifer with you the Lord replied and say that you owe that excuse me that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord that's that's Jesus on the down that's God on the down low he's saying Samuel's saying, if, if Saul finds out, I'm a dead man. And God said, well, here, this is what you do. You just act like it's something else. This is God coming up with some sketchy plans to make sure that his plan goes forward. Remember I told you, this, this is better than all that stuff we DVR and TiVo and all that stuff. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of that town came trembling to meet him, the man of God. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice. <laughs> I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab. And thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. By all standards on the outside, he looked like he should have been the next king. But, everybody say but. Everybody's got one and here's Jesus right here. This is God's right here. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height. For I have rejected him. Speaking of Eliab, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God was looking at the replacement of, of the king to be a, a man after God's own heart. I'm going to skip on down to verse 11 because he just goes through. Basically, what happens is he goes through. Uh, he's there. He's there with Jesse. He's, he's got eight sons, well, seven sons in front of him, and he goes through the line. Are you the one? God says, no. Are you the one? No. Are you the one? You the one? You the one? No, no, no. And, and, and. Samuel's like, what's going on? God said, you said that one of his sons. So he, just, he said, this is what he said. He said, verse 11, then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? And Jesse replied, there is still the youngest, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. 
I thought about this. How many of us, when God says, gives us an instruction, how many of us are not willing to go? Because they could have actually said, hey, I'm going to sit down. We can go ahead and have the appetizer. We can do whatever while we're waiting. He said, I'm not doing anything until this is complete. How many of you are doing stuff other than focusing on whatever it is God told you to do? Just, just, just little stuff like this. Just, I look at stuff a little differently. You, you may be like, that's cool for you, B, but I, I don't know if I see it. Dude, it shook me up because I, I felt convicted. I, there, I need to make sure that whatever he's instructed me to do, it's not about um, um, until God comes. No, but I can't become distracted by all this other stuff that then prevents me from being on the path that God has called me to be on. He said, we will not sit down until... He arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark, handsome, with beautiful eyes. Let me tell you something. When, when the Bible says you're good looking, can't nobody say nothing. It's in the scripture. He said he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil and brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for these moments that we're gathering around your word. God, I ask that you would be revealed to us in a way that we've never seen before. God, challenge us. May your word inspire us to be more like you so that people see you and not us. Keep us on the path. Anoint this time together in Jesus' name and everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Do you like to wait? Anybody like to wait? Does anybody like to wait? You like to wait at, at the DMV? Sorry, Sabrina. <laughs> do you like to wait? Do you like to wait at the, um, do you like, no, we love the DMV, don't, don't we? Don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. I don't need that just slipped out. I'm so sorry. Bad preacher, bad preacher. Okay, let me move right along. Anybody like to fly and you have to go through TSA and you got to stand there? You feel like you violated, you having to remove all this stuff and, and go through this this machine is like, I'm like, okay. I don't like to wait. I don't like to. I don't even like to go to the to to the uh, uh, drive-through. You got to wait. Now Chick Fil A, they got it on lockdown. Y'all like Chick Fil A? Chick Fil A in Gainesville has got they got their stuff together. I mean, it don't matter what time of the day you roll through there. There is always a line. And if you really do the math, there's actually a longer line there than any of the other ones because they got double lines. Them other places think they're cool because they got two windows. But they got double lines. They working it all up, right? Well, the other day, I got permission to share this, but the other day we, we were in Gainesville, and Amy said, um, hey, if we're going to do Chick-fil-A, let's, let me pre-order. They got this cool little thing where you pre-order and you can bypass, supposed to bypass the line. I love Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A and Starbucks and Krispy Kreme are of God, period. <laughs> yes, I said it. And so... So, so she's explaining to me how this is supposed to work. Now, I'm seeing the line, but in my mind, I'm thinking, remember, type A personality. In my mind, I've got this worked out. We're going to put it in, and they're going to have a parking place on the side because I'm seeing that long line. But there's a, there's a flaw. We'll send this to, to Chick-fil-A, Mr. Kathy, this podcast when it's over because I found a flaw. They are having you go through, still go through the line. There's no place to pull off to the side when you get there to bring you. So I was, and, I'm, and Amy's like, it's still, it's, it's good, it's all good. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm still sitting here as if I placed my order here and I'm still going through the line, all the way to the line. She's like, well, you can just get out here. I'm like, this ain't working. Why? I don't want to wait. And you told me this, this procedure, this process is supposed to work better so I don't have to. I don't like to wait. Neither do you. And the church said, Amen. We love Chick-fil-A, don't we, church? We love Chick-fil-A. Come on, we love Chick-fil-A. Because there'll be somebody going, that forward church, they talking about everything but Jesus. They talking about Chick-fil-A, and now the pastor thinks he can run it better than, no, 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 no. I'm just saying there was a, there was a flaw. I, I believe that they, they can get better at it, amen? I believe we all can get better. I believe we can better, be a better husband. I, we can be a better spouse, a wife. I'm being a better kid, child, teenager. <clears throat> all y'all down there on, I hope y'all taking notes. I don't know. All I see is this. This is not note-taking. Unless you're using that new uh, keyboard. Busted. Anyway, I believe that all of us have areas in our life that we can change. And the church said amen. I want to speak to you just for a few moments today from this subject. The secret in waiting. The secret 
in waiting. Listen, when all of culture and society and everyone around us is moving at such a rapid rate of speed, maybe one of the most important things that you and I could ever do is simply wait. Wait. I get it. But Pastor B, everybody's doing it. Everybody's got one of these. I got to get some. I got to get some new kicks. I, I Wait. But I, I, I really want to wait. But I really feel like I can manage. I can, I can actually, if you'll give me an opportunity, God, I can make this relationship work. Wait. Now, if you ain't put, if you got a ring on it already, it's time to get moving and doing something. But if you ain't put a ring on it yet, but, but, but B, she's a gift to me. She may be a gift, but she might not be your gift. This is something I learned a long time ago. A lot of heartache and pain. This is what it is. A rush decision is not always a right decision. And God's timing for our lives can never, ever be forced. What God wants for you and I cannot be forced. If that was the case, then we would be stronger than God, and we're not. So we just got to be content with where we are, what we have, and where he has us, and what he has for us to do. Amen? So we just read this story. Let's just break it down. It's King Saul, uh, king by the name of Saul. He rejected God. There's a prophet by the name of Samuel. God sends him to Jesse's house to find the replacement. I've come today with an assignment to do this and nothing else, and that is to speak to anyone in this room that you're in a season of waiting. I don't know what you're waiting on. Thank you. I don't know what you're waiting on today. Maybe it's something to work out in your family. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a pregnancy. Maybe, maybe it's a new job situation. I don't know what you're waiting on, but something that I have learned in life that every single one of us in this room are waiting on something. Some of you are waiting on your kids to get right. Some of you kids are waiting on your parent to get right. The apple does not fall far from the tree. Don't shoot me, but speak in truth. We have a responsibility to train up our child in the way they should go. Now, this is the part you got to remember. When they're old, see, some of us are like, I'm training them up. How come they ain't coming back? Because they ain't old. Sometimes you got to experience a little life. Come on, parents that have experienced. You gotta, they got to experience life. But when they're old, they won't depart. That takes the pressure off just a little bit. Of us thinking, well, then what am I doing wrong? They, they, they. they I've raised them the right way. Our girls don't always do the right stuff. But I got that rod of correction, baby. Now, Ansley don't know nothing about that rod. (laughs) She's like, I ain't seen it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. She knows it'll come out in a minute. I don't know what you're waiting on in life. I don't know what your weight is. Maybe Maybe it's potential. But we're all waiting on something. So he's there, and, all, he, and, Jesse's, and, and Samuel says, is this all of your sons? And Jesse says, I still have one. He's out in the field. Have you ever felt like you weren't good enough to make the lineup? It's one thing to be on the playground, like, pick me, pick me. I, I, I can shoot. They're like, you can't shoot, brother. You, you, you can't shoot. I was that guy. You can't shoot. I was like, pick me, pick me. It's one thing to be picked last. But it's another thing not to even be invited to Strickland Park. You're calling everybody. They ain't even answering their phone. Must be a, all of them. Everybody that I hang out with ain't answering their phone. It must be an outage. That's because they all down there and B can't shoot. <laughs> but I want to I tell you this morning, you are not overlooked. You're not, you've not been overlooked. If you're here today and you feel looked over, you feel so insignificant, you, you feel like your gifting or your talent is being overlooked, listen, just because you're not in the lineup doesn't mean that God doesn't have something lined up for you. Just because, you, just because you've been looked over doesn't mean that you've been left out. Just because man may have looked over and man has left you, God will never look over you and God, my God, will never leave you. It's true. Even in my darkest, craziest, jacked up decisions, and I found myself in places I had no business of being. Some may be like, B, tell us, because we really want to know what's going down. <laughs> Maybe one day when he says to, but I'm not, because some of y'all just nosy. Don't share all of your experiences in life with everybody, because everybody don't have. There's somebody always sitting in the corner of the room going, 
telling you, you need to watch who you, who, who, be, be aware of your surroundings because not everybody has your best interest. And usually it's the people that should be doing what you're doing and they're jealous because you're doing it and they want to bring you down so that they don't, so that it's not uncovered or exposed that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Because there's potential in all of us, but all of our potential looks different. So, Samuel says, send for him. Talking about David, send for him. Okay, so, so after that, we, we got all that. He brings him, he's anointed and all that. And then we go to verse 14. It says, now the spirit of the Lord fell on David and David left and he went immediately and was king. That's not what it says. I was reading for the, from the um, MPPV, my personal preference. Anybody else have that, that translation? You know, God, when you said this was going to work, it, it should be working for me now. How many knows that when God normally says this, it doesn't happen now? Some of you are in a not now, not now season. Some of you in this room are in a not now season. How many knows it doesn't happen like that? You're going to be healed in Jesus' name. You walk away and it didn't happen now. Not that it can't. It just didn't. And that's not a based on who's wrong and who's right. Just didn't happen that way. But God's ways and his thoughts are higher. I, I'm like you. I got lots of questions. I, I don't understand a lot of stuff. But I'm humble enough to go, God, even if I don't ever find out, I will never change my mind about who you are. I don't want to be that guy. That if God doesn't show up the way I, I thought he would, that I'm through. Man, I've read stuff on social media about pastors who now have changed their mind on God. He still hasn't changed his mind about them regardless of what they think about God. But I, I want to be faithful. I don't want to be that guy. That's tragic. And not that they can't, not that it can't be turned around. I just don't, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to be that guy and I hope you don't either. No, what did it say? It said, now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Somebody say, why are we talking about Saul? I thought the big thing was finding a replacement. We did. It's David. Where'd David go? If you go on down to verse 19, you'll find out what happened to David. David went right back to the shepherd's field. Have you ever been to a place where you were given a promise and you followed it? You followed after that promise but you found out it was a not now season. So God anoints him and sends him back. What we need to understand is this. In verse 13, something was happening. In verse, verse 14, something else was happening. In verse 13, God was promising something over David's life. You've been there. Many of you have been there. You've been at verse, you've had a verse 13 moment where God was promising something over your life. And then in verse 14, God was paying off on the promise. But what we need to understand about the Bible is this. Years pass between 13 and 14. The Bible, the Bible, everything in the Bible is happening fast. We put in the chapters. Verse 13 was the promise. Verse 14 was the payoff. Where'd David go? Listen, most of my life has been spent where God was promising, most of my life was being spent where God was promising things over my life. Not a lot of my life has been spent getting the payoff. 90% of my life is this other space we call the middle. Many of you in this room today are in what I call the middle. David was in the middle. The shepherd's field was David's middle. You know the story about David and Goliath. Where did David learn? You can do other script, you can do other uh, 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 um, research. The soldiers, there was a select number of soldiers that had a perfect throw with a stone that they could with a stone could hit a hair man you could give me a beach ball and I couldn't hit your nose where did David learn back in the shepherd's field you're king but now go back go back to obscurity go back to a place where nobody knows your name many of you are there it's easy to get discouraged when we're in the middle I know I've been there and it revisits frequently 
I told Amy yesterday, this has been one of the hardest messages since January 1, or even back three years of, of teaching and starting and learning how to do this, communicating God's word. This one was hard, and I don't, I don't know why, but now I do. I, I do. It's like I didn't, because I'm like, God, it's truth. It should be easy. You're trying to help people, but at the same time, it's an area that nobody really wants to be honest and talk about, because on Facebook, we're trying to show everybody, I'm in the promise. I got my payday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at all I got. You know, that's where we are. Nobody wants to be exposed and talk about that I'm, I'm in a place of obscurity where nobody really, really knows what's going on. I show them, but they don't know. Where are you today? I have a good sense of feeling that you're not at the place where promise is being said. Maybe you are, and you're probably, you may not be receiving the promise and it's okay if you're at either of those places that's great just know that there will come a time where you will get pushed back and asked to go back to the shepherd's field i came to tell somebody today that if you feel like you're stuck in the middle god is still working just be the the middle is painful the pain does not mean that your god is not present listen to what i said just because it's painful you go to the gym, you start working out three days later. I guarantee you, if you did it right, you're going to be hurting. You're going to be in pain. But pain, it's called growing pains. We don't like pain. We don't like the discomfort. We don't, we don't like that. We don't, we don't like that. That's why we're trying to push back. God, put me back. Give me promises or give me the payoff. And if I ain't got the payoff, I'm out. That's, that's where a lot of people are. And I'm trying to prevent the church from getting to a place where go, if I'm not at my payoff, if I'm not there, I'm done. I'll do this on my own. You can try to do without God. You can try to do life without God. You can try to do marriage without God. You can try to raise kids without God. I'm telling you, if you don't keep it Christ-centered, you're in for a rude awakening. It hurts. Life sucks when you don't do it God's way. God's way doesn't mean that the issues and problems and things aren't coming. It just means I have a different sense of perspective. I know the people who are here every single Sunday probably get tired of hearing me say that, but it's true. With God, I have a new sense of direction and I have perspective. I have a different perspective for my marriage. I know that I'm to ha our marriage should be based on a mission and it shouldn't be what I want and what she wants. It should be what he wants. Hit. Seek first the kingdom of God, then all in his righteousness. We've got to be in right standing. You can't say, God, I, I seek you, but I'm still going to live like I want to. That's unrighteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things. So, so married couples, I, I, it, Jensen said it best, and, and those, those that did not get to go to the one marriage conference, it's now available on YouTube. I don't know if it's out there yet. The, the uh, participants, I think we got a link for it. I don't know if they made it available because it said locked, but... I, as soon as it comes available, I'll let you know. You need to watch that. Jensen said, marriage is not just a marriage. It's two funerals and a wedding. Did I say that right? Did I say it right? It's two people dying. Two people trying to live for him and do it his way. Amen? And right, I'm going to wrap this thing up. I think, I think, I think I've, I think I've, I got this thing. But I, I just, I wanted, to, I wanted essentially to put the spotlight on this area. It's the area that we wake up in every day. It's the area that you work in every day. It's the area that you experience setbacks and disappointments. It's the area that you're in right now where you feel stuck, you feel trapped. It's the area that you might have been in this past week, but thank God you came in here to hear this message. It may be the, the area where you felt like giving up. What area is that? It's called the middle. These moments of what we do in the middle, and I'm going to give you four keys, and we're going to go home. It's critical what you do in the middle. Your success, my success, and failures in life will largely depend on what we do in the middle. You should already know what you need to do, and that's wait. <laughs> it, was in the, it was in the shepherd's field. It was in the middle that God was preparing David for the thing that he was calling him to do. Number one, secret in the waiting. Secret Excuse me, the secret in waiting. <laughs> got to wait. Oh, B, I thought it was going to be something real profound. It is. You got to get over that hump first. You got to wait. You ever seen a four-year-old wait? A lot of Christians are like four-year-olds. You ever seen a parent tell a four-year-old to, to wait? Wait right here. Mama gets right out of sight. Pew, gone. Anybody got a kid like that? Had a kid like that? Yeah. 
wait right here. That's what Jesus is saying. Wait right here. Some of y'all trying to back up into a blessing. First thing we need to do, it's the secret to waiting. The first one is to wait. Stop trying to shortchange the process. Write that down. Stop trying to shortchange the process. Everything God does is a process. How a baby is formed, that's a process. How a tree develops, that's a process. How you build a house, sorry, Adam. How you build a house, it's a process. It's taken my brother almost two years. It's a process. You getting your life to a place where you're living right, it's a process. Just want to put a little freedom on you right there. Just lift some of that weight off of you. It's a process. If we shortchange the process, we forfeit the promise. Number two, work your weight. I just put, you got to work. Well, B, I got a job. What you talking about? Work your weight. My marriage is struggling. I just, I don't know what to do. Hot news flash. I'm just waiting on God to change it. Well, you got that part right because you can't change that person that God needs to. You got that part right. But what if, everybody say what if. What if you start pursuing your spouse like you pursued him or her while you were dating? Oh, my gosh, the things that could happen. I almost stepped out on that one right there. But, I just... but what could happen instead of God? Change him. Change her. Why don't you change how you're acting and actually start pursuing that, that guy or that girl like you did when you actually was trying to get, put a ring on it? I got a little passionate right there because I know the devil trying to pick on some marriages. You can always tell when I get passionate. That's because I know the devil, what he's after. He's after you. And he'll stop at nothing. He's slick. He'll stop at nothing and use anybody to stop the purpose. And sometimes I, I have to, I got to separate, shut down because if not, I'll get distracted by everything that's going on. And you need to do the same. But I believe what I'm saying is life or death for somebody in this room today. And I'm pretty sure it's probably more than just one. So work, prepare like David. Number three, form Christ-centered connections. Make friends. Dude, we had the most awesome time of, out of all the men's breakfast breakfasts we've had it wasn't where just one person shared a, a, a small devotion before and i encourage you man anytime the church is doing these connection opportunities whether it's men's breakfast ladies breakfast couples whatever and, and we're going to have all we're going to have life groups we're going to do we're going to do church differently we're going to do some we're going to do stuff because it's about connecting it's about walking through life together but yesterday we had one of the most i just we just had just a small devotion about enduring strength and somebody bobby said something and lavelle was saying something of course y'all know that's not a shock because he's lavelle just fine I'm just I love Lavelle. But it's just, I just, I was done. I just watched because that's what's supposed to be happening. And men, and that's really what we were talking about. Men got this facade. Yo, I got it all together, baby. My wife, if she don't do it right, bah, she going to get it right. Y'all know what I'm saying. I took that too far. <laughs> oh, man. How's that for demonstration? <laughs> okay. Safer than a ladder. Well, I thought it was safer than a ladder. Where's Amy at? <laughs> Might not be too safe. Might not be too safe. Anyway, where was I at? What was I saying? No, I'm like for real. Yes, so they were talking. They were, they were doing what they were. Connect, make God. There's some people that you're connected with. They ain't godly, and you know it. Form, form Christ-centered connections. Because if the person you're trying to connect with, and that doesn't mean they got to have it all together. But if, they're, if, they're, if it's Christ-centered, y'all going to find it. You're going to get there. Amen? Because then people who ain't got Christ, they're going to ruin your marriage. They're going to ruin your business. It's got to be Christ-centered. Young people, connect with people who love Jesus. Say, bye, Felicia, to all them other crazy people up at that schoolhouse. They ain't worth going to hell over. Our young people need a youth pastor. I'm just going to take this opportunity to say they've not had one. But we got to have the finances to bring one. 
it, 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 it hurts my heart to know that we're not covering all areas. So when I'm doing that, that's because God told me to. But I just want you to know you're not just sitting on the front row and, nobody, and God doesn't know. He had a word for you today too, and that's cut connections that aren't Christ-centered. You're looking at somebody who, I went after what I went after because it made me feel good. Everybody was doing it, and it was cool. And I know your parents have probably said the same thing, and it's not cool to hear from your parents. And I don't know what y'all think about me, but I'm telling you, the enemy's not trying to get you a little heartache and break up. He's trying to destroy your life. And on my watch, and you guys should be saying the same. If y'all don't feel God up in this house today, you need to go cut a new tree. Because that wood ain't burning. Last one, in closing. How's your prayer life? Pray. You gotta pray. I'll give you an invitation every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Our leadership team, our prayer team, and many others are in this room praying and covering what you guys have just experienced today. This is not a show. This is not a performance. This is not display a talent. This is display Jesus. And we, we care so much that we come in here, we sacrifice. Did you think we don't want to stay in bed the extra time like y'all? <laughs> I invite, how's your prayer life? Pray. You got to pray. If you're in the middle and you're not talking to God, that's like being in a room in the dark. With no, that's like being in an escape room and there's no, no, there's no windows and no doors to get out. You stuck. The, it, it, I, I know that room is so dark, so painful, so ugly. You know why? You know why the middle is so lonely? Because, because God's not calling them to go where He's calling you to go. They're not willing to sacrifice what you're willing to sacrifice. That's why it's lonely. Come be a Christian. It's the, it's the life of the party. I'm not saying it's not great to be a Christian. I'm just saying don't be deceived when people start talking about you, looking at you funny, and they're not where you are. And you got to be okay with that because they're not called to go where you're called to go. Okay? Let me just share real quick with when God speaks something over your life, the distance. Some of y'all have heard this before. My parents separated when I was in kindergarten. But I knew there was a call on my life, okay? I knew that God wanted to use me. When I was 12 years old, my dad and Robin were married, and dad was a youth pastor at an Assembly of God church in Franklin, North Carolina, and he brought a man by the name of Billy Mayo, who you know lives in this town, to do a journey through Rock Crusade. And I knew that I just simply wanted to be used to make a difference in people's life. And I remember watching him in a church that seat about 300. We had over 1,200 people in that church. I'm telling you, they were in the choir loft. They were sitting on the floor. They were sitting in window seals. We had two um, closed-circuit TVs, rooms downstairs for people to watch. And I was like, that's what I... Not, not the glamour, but the difference. I wanted to be used to make that. I saw what was going on. He left, got in his plane, came back to a little town called Chiefland I didn't even know anything about. Dad brought him back a, a year later. We did it. We did the, 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 the crusade, five-night crusade in um, the Fine Arts Center at the high school. And one of the last nights, um, we were backstage, and I was just wanted to help roll up wires and stuff. And, and Billy, at the time, pulled me to the side. He said, God's hand's on your life. And he's going to use you in another man's ministry before God will give you your own. Now, I don't like the way that sounds because it's not my ministry, okay? So don't misunderstand me. I'm just repeating what he said. And I was 13, 14 years old. Again, he got in his plane, flew back to a little town called Chiefland. Within a year of that time, our family moved to a little town 
Call Chief Lee. I got to get to this. <laughs> I just wanted to do whatever. So when I was in high school, he had an office down the street. I rode my little 10-speed bike till Dad got me that um, 19, I don't know what it was, Chrysler LeBaron with the scoop on the back with the white rag top. I thought I was... anyway <laughs> um, and I would write my 10 speed down and I would staple little newsletters that he sent out all around the, all around the world to what was going on in the ministry I would go on the road during during spring break with him and I'm, I'm seeing God I remember what well, first of all it's the same guy who prophesied over me we had no intentions of moving to a little town called Chief in Florida here we are. So I'm always looking for, okay, is this, is this how you want me to, you know, instead of waiting, well, God surely don't want me to wait that long. It's been a couple years. Is this how I'm supposed to jump out and do, am I supposed to do this? New Wine Ministries. I, I, I wanted to travel on the side away, away from Billy and, and do this stuff. Did, did a lot of cool stuff. Y'all know this, this little small church in Gainesville, Georgia called Free Chapel? <laughs> it was a joke, by the way. The building that they moved from before they're in the building, you know now, you now know. When I was 16 years old, I was one of the very first guest artists on Kingdom Connection with Jensen Franklin. We did a long, a week-long crusade. Was able to do TV and all that, all this cool stuff. And you're, you're, you're okay, God, this must be what I'm supposed to do. And networking and trying to network for networking was networking. Why? Because you got a word and you're like, well, God, surely you want it to start now. I'm not getting any younger. So then I, 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 I chased a girl more than I chased God. I had a failed marriage. I was a youth pastor. That fell apart at the same time. And I went to work. What'd I say? I went to what? I went to work. I lost everything. I'm in a town where I have no family. And trying to be ran out of town. Because me staying there revealed truth. Just because people lie on you doesn't mean it's true. Outlive the lie. So I went to work at a call center. And I'll never forget when Amy Lee walked in the it's like everything in the room just blacked out. And all I could hear was, Isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? This was before Beyonce said put a ring on it. I was like, dude, get me to the store. <laughs> and the rest is history. But God pulled us from the side, and we were both, we were both being healed. And he put us in a little, little startup church called King's Pasture. And we were in a little abandoned school. And God entrusted me to be their part-time worship leader. I'm going somewhere, okay? I'm trying to expose so you understand who's, who's, who, you're, who you're listening to, okay? Because I've been there. I know about the middle. The middle is tough. Watch the church grow from, I don't know, 35 people our first Sunday? Oh, we, dude, we were putting chairs together. We were, we were putting chairs in that old abandoned school like this to make it look big. Not tight, just spread out. So you know, we had a full house. Standing room only. Yeah, that's because you had five chairs and they were just sitting right there. Then we, then we purchased 20 acres. 20 acres. Built a church. It didn't look like a church. It looked like a Bass Pro Shop because that's how Pastor Gino wanted it. And it was, it was awesome. It was a talk. We had people driving from Atlanta. It grew from 25, 30 people to over 1,000. We were running two services on Sunday. Had a youth ministry of over 500 kids. 500 kids came in every Tuesday night. When they would leave school, instead of going home and getting dinner, they came and sat in the cafe and played video games and shot pool and all that kind of stuff. Do what you got to do. That ministry went through some hard times. We had the opportunity to stay and help revive, but I felt called. And Dad, for years, had said, No, I do not. Because I had a lot of heartache and pain and feeling not accepted, not loved because I was not from here. We moved here. And if you're, 
if you know anything about small towns, it's hard to, to fit in if you didn't start there. I was like, no, there's too much heart, heart pain. Maybe God's calling you to go back to a place of where it hurt. And so 2013, made a phone call to dad and said, hey, what would it look like for me to come? What, 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 what would it be? I just, executive pastor will do the worship leader thing and, and I'll help support what God wants to do. Can I tell you, I was at age 13 when God said, this is what's gonna happen over your life. I'm now 44 years old. That's a long middle. Some of you are in that middle. Some of you have made mistakes just like I've made mistakes in the middle. But I'm here today to tell you, I didn't tell all that to point attention to me. I told you that to say this. God was faithful. Faithful. And those times of being in obscurity prepared David for the fight and I'm here today to declare over your life that you may feel like you're in a season of obscurity and you're in a season of of pain and or failure or nobody knows but I'm here to tell you that what you got to remember about the story of David and Goliath is when David charged all the soldiers who were prepared with all the armor they ran David with nothing but a slingshot and a stone ran to the fight what God is trying to you may feel like he's got you in an obscure location but what you need to understand is when it's time for your giant and we talked about that today he's still a God that makes giants fall you're going to run to that you're going to run to that giant you're going to take what God has equipped you with and prepared you with in the middle season of obscurity and you're going to take that giant down So I said all that to say this. Everybody's standing. Worship team, come on. I said all that to say, if you're in the middle, don't give up. Anybody feel like you're in the middle and you needed to hear this today? Can I just see your hands? You're in the middle. You're, you feel that. You feel that. Don't give up. Don't give up. It sounds so so contradicting to say don't give up, but yet I'm telling you you got to wait. <laughs> it sounds so crazy. Don't give up. Okay, I'm ready, B. But God's still saying wait. But know that the waiting is on purpose. I never want anything for my life that God doesn't want. Not a relationship, not a friendship. I tried to do ministry. I thought God was going to call us to start a church in LaGrange, Georgia before we moved here. God had different plans. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't change anything. I know the tears. I know the hurt. I know the heartache. I know stuff doesn't make sense. I'm telling you, if I could just be completely open, I understand. And I'm not asking you and God's not asking you to do anything that he is not willing to do. And I'm telling you, I, there's, I would never, if, if I'm not willing to walk that road, I would never expect anyone else to. But I can tell you the road may be lonely. The road may be get a little off balance, but the road is worth walking on. I'm telling you, don't give up. Greater things. Every head bowed, every eye closed all over this room. If you're here today and you say, I need Jesus. I need a relationship with I need a relationship. I need him in my life. I want to pray for you this morning. And in just a moment, I'm gonna count to three. And if that's you, I want you to shoot your hand up just as fast as you can. If you're here and you want to you say, you know what, there's things have not been cool between my relationship with God, and I want to rededicate my life today. When I count to three, I want you to shoot your hand up. I just want to pray for you. That's why we do this. It's for hurting broken people. Because I don't want anybody to walk out of here still feeling like they're hurting and broken. And neither does God. On the count of three, you want to know that you're saved? You want to you begin walking in a relationship with God? And you say, you know what? My relationship hasn't been, hasn't been what it should be. I'm repenting today. On the count of three. One, two, three.
Father, I come before you right now. I lift up every single person who still has their, still has their hand in the air, God, as a sign of surrender. Father, I ask that you would just, just settle in right now in the, in the last few moments that we have, the last three minutes of this service. God, I ask that you would settle in on their heart right now. Those that don't have a relationship with you, God, may you, I, believe, I believe that you have been made real to them. The Bible says, for God so loved you, whoever that is, that says, I've never met Jesus, I want a relationship. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved you and this world that he gave his only son, Jesus. All you got to do is believe. Believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross at Calvary and that he was raised from the dead. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when you walk out of this place, there'll be a new spirit put inside of you. And you were loved. And you're here today and you say, you know what? My relationship hasn't been what it's, what it's supposed to be. God from heaven is saying, that's okay. Change starts now. So Father, collectively as a complete body, we, we say this prayer unto you in heaven. Oh God, come on louder than that. Come on, oh God, I come before you today confessing my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe your only son Jesus died for me on the cross at Calvary. I believe that he rose again, conquering sin, conquering death, conquering the devil. And right now, I'm set free because of Jesus. Help me to walk in your ways. Help me to be faithful to you. Thank you, God, that I'm in right standing with you. And the process of changing starts now in Jesus' name. Come on, give Jesus Christ a, a praise in this place today. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Forward or just to connect with us, go to myforwardchurch.org. We love you. The best is yet to come.